1: Welcome back to another edition of Fizz Radio. I'm Matt Bonaparte with the wonderful Brad Klein. Brad, we've got a a flurry of pretty good topics to talk about today. We'll start with Tommy DeVito and and the SU football program. We'll move on to Bayheim's Army, get to five-star review, and, of course, Fizz feedback. But let's start with the SU football program and Tommy DeVito and this kind of quarterback controversy that's been stirred up uh, within SU, you've got Garrett Schrader, Jacoby, and Morgan, and Tommy Devito, who are the guys I think that are really vying for the number one spot at the quarterback position for SU. But the the most recent news about Devito is that he will not be attending ACC Media Day. Syracuse will not send him down there, so fans started to think from that alone that oh maybe that's some uh, that that's a, some foreshadowing that he won't be starting at quarterback to begin the year, and also uh, just some some opinions from pro football focus they released a list of the top quarterbacks uh, in power five conferences and DeVito was ranked 95th out of 130 so not a lot to love there if you're a Syracuse football fan what do you make of this Brad
0: I a lot of people are going to take away that well that means that Tommy DeVito likely isn't the starter right and and me too that's definitely the where the, the first thing I thought of but after that I thought maybe this is bigger than him not being the star, right? You think about who Syracuse is sending down for media day. It's, it's Aaron Service, it's Josh Black, it's Tosh Harris, right? And Tosh Harris, kind of an outlier, but you look at two-thirds of that core, right? In Service and in Black. And those are two leaders, right? To me, for Tommy DeVito not to go down there, says that he's not a leader. That no one, that you can't really trust him on or off the field. And look, I'm basing it off of very little besides the fact that he's not going. But after being in the program for as long as DeVito has, four years, I believe, it should be a no-brainer for the quarterback to go down, and it's not. So that says pretty much all you need to know. And he's been there two years prior. He was
1: there when Dungy was there, and he was there last year. Uh, So it is a little bit of a red flag. We don't know. Maybe it's some kind of injury. He can't make it or – or maybe it's what we all think, and that he won't be starting a quarterback this year. But regardless, ACC Media Day next week, uh, it is going to be over two days, actually, the 21st and the 22nd. Myself and John Eads will be there covering everything you need to know for Orange Fizz, So make sure you follow along our coverage. Um, but, Brad, here's my question to you about Tommy DeVito we've seen him play really poorly in the past. Um, in terms of pocket awareness in terms of finding his target we know he has some intangibles like that big arm but do you think he deserves that starting spot do you think that he is better than than Jacobian Morgan or Garrett Schrader
0: I almost feel like no one deserves it right you need to earn it to deserve it and no one has done anything to earn it I I, the sad truth is whoever starts will likely be starting by default and that's that's not the formula for a very good football team, but think about it. Jacoby Morgan was better than awful last year, if that's even a metric that you can be proud of. Garrett Schrader didn't play quarterback last year. Tommy DeVito might as well not have played quarterback last year, and Dylan Markowitz was nowhere to be found. So for anyone that you think is going to be the starting quarterback, I'm thinking it's only because of the guys around him. So does he deserve to be? No. And how many interceptions can you possibly throw for you to not deserve to be the starting quarterback of Syracuse football? Sure. Um,
1: And I think that there is some talent there. I mean, Schrader, while he did play wide receiver last year at Mississippi State, is a talented quarterback. Um, and, And I don't think that Tommy DeVito is the worst player ever to live, but the guy needs to get a lot better if he's going to compete Uh, in the ACC. So yes, there's a lot of strides to be made for Syracuse football, but they're going to have to figure it out. And I think that Dino will go with DeVito day one, just because, you know, that's his guy. And that's the narrative that we've been fed for a couple of years now, but it's going to be, there's going to be a turning point in the season where there's a telling moment in which DeVito isn't playing well. And, and Dino has to make a decision of do I keep this guy on? Do I do I stick with him or and use the classic line that he always does and which is, uh, you know, we throw the guy out there who's going to give us a chance to win the game. Um, is that going to prove to be Devito or will it be one of those other guys? We don't know, uh, but it certainly doesn't look good for the future of this
0: football team. But the scary thing about that, and I think that he will start Devito as well, almost by default, right? the scary thing about DeVito starting week one is that he's basically going to be starting for three weeks at that point. I mean, that you look at the schedule, right. And it's impossible from my perspective, it's impossible for DeVito to only start Ohio and then the opener and then nothing else because you have Ohio and then Rutgers, which is a tough game. They a very, very losable game, but you're not losing Ohio, even with DeVito under center. Right. And then you have Albany, right. So i uh, my projection is devito plays looks pretty good against ohio who won't look good against ohio so all the syracuse fans that have a short member are going to say yeah look at tommy devito he's our quarterback he's our guy goes back to the dome plays Rutgers, doesn't play well and then people are saying well maybe it was just a bad game he played well against ohio then he's going to play against albany and he'll be good against albany And he'll probably start four weeks at that point, because then you have Liberty. And he'll probably stink it up against Liberty. And then maybe Dino goes to someone else. But that's the slippery slope that you go down, right? So if you're Dino Babers, you're better off making a decision now rather than then. Sure.
1: I think you're right. But I don't think there's any way Dino makes a decision that isn't DeVito. I just don't think that he'll do that. But, I mean, it is – it is pretty weird that he's not going to media day. Like, that just is pretty weird. And it's not like you're sending other guys who are bona fide superstars. You're sending Aaron Service, an offensive lineman, a defensive lineman, and Josh Black, and then the guy who flipped off a camera, and Taj Harris. So... Yeah, I don't understand that one. That, that one exa- was... Yeah. That was weird. It's not exactly a star studded lineup that SU is sending down there.
0: Let me ask you this, Matt. Let me ask you this. And it kind of, this conversation kind of reminds me of all star talk, right? Whenever there's an all star game, people say, oh, this guy should have been in. Okay. Only you have to tell me who should not have gone. All right. So we both agree that Taj Harris should not have gone to Media Day. Who should have? Should it have been Tommy DeVito? I don't think so. I think so.
1: I mean, if you're going to start him, absolutely it should have been.
0: But Dino probably doesn't know if he's going to start him. Okay, so even then,
1: I think even then you'd rather talk to Sean Tucker or perhaps Garrett Williams.
0: Garrett Williams, maybe. Michael Jones? Michael Jones would have been a pretty good pick. Maybe almost making me change my pick. I'm thinking Chris Elmore might be a pretty good pick. Elmore also came into my head. I think think Elmore would be a lot of fun. Guy. I think it's a good pick, Chris Elmore, but I Michael Jones I can get behind. Not Taj Harris, though. Not Taj Harris.
1: It's just it's very weird and peculiar, and it's hard not to try and draw conclusions from it because it's just an odd move. It's an oddball move from Dino Babers. Um, and one that I think will end up proving something down the line. Well, Uh, We're going to have to take a break, but on the other side, we'll be talking Bayheim's Army. You're listening to Fizz Radio on the Score 1260. Back with you on Fizz Radio, Matt Bonaparte, as well as Brad Klein. We just wrapped up talking about Tommy DeVito and the SU football season. Now on to Bayheim's Army, the – Tournament starts tomorrow if you're listening to this on Orange Fizz. It started yesterday if you're listening on the score 1260, but Syracuse plays its first game on the 24th. Brad, you know, it's a really star studded lineup this year that Syracuse is rolling out. Really, really good players, some great alumni, but also really great non SU players. But it really begs the question. Who else would you have wanted to see from this team? Who are the key omissions in your eyes that Kevin Belby left off?
0: So, well, let me preface it with this, is that I do have some names that personally I would have liked to see, but I think this is the best roster that Ke- Kevin Belby has put together, hands down. And I, I think, think so that as well. This is the best chance that they have of winning, which pains me to say because – as a guy who wants to see an entire purely Syracuse team, I want to see them win it with all Syracuse guys. Probably not going to happen based on past year. So go with the non-Syracuse guys. We'll get to them in a second. You know, the first uh, name that comes to mind is John Gillen. And not because of the nostalgia. And I talk a lot about nostalgia when it comes to Boeheim's Army. When I write, write on the fizz, because – that's largely what Boeheim's Army is all about, right? That's what the tournament is all about. But And Gillen only played one year, but he took it really seriously, really, really seriously. And he was kind of all in on the basketball tournament, which is, I think, a really big deal because for a tournament that's still looking to gain some legitimacy, John Gillen gave it legitimacy. So in my opinion, he is a key guy that that I would have liked to see outside of the the stars like Carmelo Anthony and Wes Matthews and the guys that were Jeremy Grant, the guys that were never going to play. Those would have been nice to see John Gillen.
1: I I agree with Gillen, a guy that was on my list as well, but for me, it's more about um, nostalgia. And of course, Gillen brings nostalgia. Of course, is his, we'll call it a a half court shot against Duke um, that, that Syracuse won on the buzzer. Um, but for me, a guy like Brandon Trish brings a lot more of that. He played four years at Syracuse. He was a great guard. Um, we saw so much success with him on the team. He's a guy that I'd love to see on the team. And he was there last year. Um, but he brings so much grit to this team. And he's just such a, a Syracuse player, if you know what I mean. Um, and this is... a tournament tournament player
0: is, in program history. Correct. From Jamesville to I And he's... Yeah. He's as Syracuse as it gets. So if you're looking for nostalgia, yeah, I agree with you. And Brandon Trish is is a really good move. And that's a guy who has already proven the willingness to come to TBT. The only reason I'll push back on you there is because in the past, and granted a part of it is because of injuries, but in the past he has not been very good in the basketball. Sure. He just hasn't. Um, And that's been hard to watch as someone who grew up watching him. That's hard to watch. And this tournament
1: this tournament is tough for everybody who's playing because a lot of them are coming off long, grueling seasons and the summer is supposed to kind of be, uh, the off season and where they can kind of rest and just lay low, but for, you know, and that does take a toll on some of their playing, uh, so out uh, there, their performance. So yeah, a guy like Trish has struggled in the past, but this tournament is won by guards. So I think a guy like him, um, would just be a good addition just be or just because he's a veteran and he can really bring a lot to the club that way
0: yeah and veteranship is important and i think it's going to become more and more important as the years go on and as dievendorf gets older but if you're looking for veteranship and leadership i think you almost have it covered with the the ultra pseudo leader in eric Diebendorf in a way you can almost never have too much of that i think another guy Probably my number one answer. Gillum was the first name that came to mind, but Michael Benege, big miss, right? And, uh, and that didn't age very well. I think Bellby tried to get Benege, but he's busy, you know, playing for Team Nigeria and all. But And it didn't age well because now Benege turns around and he beats Team USA in an exhibition and people are thinking, oh my God, what's happening with Team USA? But what they should be thinking about is, man, Nigeria won with Benege? Okay. Yeah. So think about him playing for Bayheim's army. That would have been really cool. Benjamin would have been cool.
1: Um, Absolutely. And another guy, of course, at that 2016 team that went to the Final Four. And uh, Malachi Richardson's on the team. At that point,
0: you have Tyler Lydon and Richardson and Benjamin. That would be cool. And forget about, I mean, and Chuku. And Oh, yeah. You can't forget about Chuku. You can't (laughs) have a Final Four reunion without Pascal Chuku. Absolutely. Yeah. But in my opinion, and the funny thing is, like, it is a Final Four run. And as stupid as this might sound, I I wouldn't even think of that as a Final Four reunion. I would think of it as a Virginia and Gonzaga game reunion. Because those are the good memories. Like, getting smacked in the Final Four, that's not what I look back on, right? And when I feel sad on a rainy day... I'm more likely to turn on the Malachi Richardson, Virginia highlights than I am the final four Selly highlights because those, those ended poorly. Right. But, but yeah, I I think it would have been really nice to have those guys together as well.
1: You're telling me you wouldn't put on the Pascal Chukwu Syracuse career highlights.
0: Probably not. Not yet. Hey, Hey, Pascal Pascal Chukwu, you're out there. If you're out there, give me a highlight to watch and I'll watch it. Okay. You have an opportunity with the basketball tournament go do it do something
1: <laughs> all right another guy that i um thought of and a guy that was on the team last year and didn't necessarily play all that well but i think fits well into this team is dante green um syracuse he was a great syracuse player uh in the in the late 2000s played like 2007 2008 he has three point shot he could play on the inside um I found myself yelling at the television a lot last year, asking why he wasn't getting rebounds and instead just trying to take threes. But hey, Dante Green would be a great addition to this team. A guy that Kevin Belby, in an interview I did with him, you should go check that out on orangefizz.net, said he was one of the best Beheim's Army players of all time. So
0: I think Dante I Green actually, would be a great addition. But how about this? I'm going to disagree with you and I'm going to disagree with Kevin Belby. Yes, Dante Green was an excellent player for Beheim's Army, but. He doesn't fit what they're trying to do right now. Not at all. See, Bayheim's Army, if you look at the roster, they have size. They have a lot of size. They have Tyler Lydon and Chris McCullough and, of course, Pascal Chukwu, right? In years past, they would have had, like, one of those guys. Uh, Last year, they tried to have McCullough. Didn't work because he was on the international scene. Tyler Lydon fell through, and they didn't have Pascal Chukwu either. So they had Dante Green, who is tall. And is tall enough to play the five but plays like a three right and and again nothing wrong with that if you have another five which they didn't they're trying to lick their wounds and they're trying to learn from their mistakes it was a mistake last year right and there seem to be some people say, say they might be overcompensating for that but i say no one in this tournament will have nearly as much height as Beheim's army and think about the advantage it is to have more length on the court and at any given time against any given opponent. And that's what Syracuse basketball is all about. That's what the two, three zone is all about. Even if you're not playing the zone, if you're just better physically, it's going to give you a much better chance. So give me the length and give me more importantly, the guys that play with their length. And you
1: talking about the length, but they also have some really, really talented guards. I mean, and that's where we get into another topic, which is these non-SU players that have joined the team. A couple of talented guards are Kiefer Sykes and Tyrese Rice, both non-SU players. Rice played his college days at Boston College and uh, Kiefer Sykes at uh, Green Bay. So two guys who are going to come in and really be great uh, in the backcourt for SU um, and names that SU fans are going to have to get used to, ones that they haven't ever heard before. I am not at all upset in that there are non-su players in the team as long as it is a mostly Syracuse derived team, I don't really care. Um, but I get I, I get the feeling that you're not the same way.
0: No, I'm not. I'm not. And and the funny thing is, I'm I'm especially anti these guys, right? And keeper Sykes, really. I almost I, I'm almost fine with I and mean, whatever. And I understand it's really hard to put together an all authentically all Syracuse team. But let me explain, okay? So Tyrese Rice is a Boston College Eagle. I mean, that's, that's where he played his college ball, right? Correct. Yeah. And a lot of Syracuse fans aren't going to know him or remember him, not because he wasn't good, but because Boston College was in the ACC when Syracuse was still in the Big East when he was playing. So he wasn't really on the Syracuse radar. But I still kind of consider Boston College a pseudo-rival. So if you're going to have a non-Syracuse player, to have a BC Eagle is pretty tough. And then – then you add the two best players, the two best non-Syracuse players, DJ Kennedy and DeAndre Kane. Neither one of them have anti-Syracuse vibes, but they both have anti-Bayheim's Army vibes because they both come from overseas elite, who if you ask me, hey, Brad, who's your least favorite TBT team? It's overseas elite, even though they're not forming a team this year. So I, I'm still I'm always going to associate those guys with the team that I despise and and the team that, that Bayheim's army fans and Syracuse fans despise. And now they're playing for the other side, the Red Sox playing for the Yankees.
1: I have to track back. You said that neither of them have any anti-Syracuse vibes. John J. King doesn't. He played at Marshall and Iowa state, but DJ Kennedy certainly does. He was a St. John's guy. That no, was he a was Yankees
0: rival. He was, he was, but Maybe and you know what? Maybe just like the era I live in, but I don't necessarily think of him as like oh, a Syracuse killer that's now playing for Syracuse. I think no, actually, I
1: think that's the vibe a lot of people get, and I don't blame them at all. But I do have a problem with you saying that pseudo rival is Boston College. I mean, come on, really? You think right. Boston College is a rival in what sense?
0: Well, they play like in the same our, conference well, now. now they play in the same No conference. history yeah. there. Yeah, they play in the same conference. That's just what Syracuse is.
1: I, I don't think at all their their rivals with Boston College, um, but I, I I see no reason to hate on Sykes and Rice. I can see your disdain for overseas elite bleeding into your opinions of Kane,
0: um, and you know what it is. I'll tell Eric you, Kennedy. I'll tell you, is because I think of both of those guys, including. Even if you come from St. John's at this point, I think of you as an overseas elite player. That's the difference that's because because he's been so good for overseas elite. So I, I have a problem with him either way, based on the team that he played for in the past, whether that's St. John's or overseas elite, you name it. But I, I think of him as an overseas elite player at this point.
1: All right, Brad, my next task for you is to take these four guys and rank them from best to least best. Not worst, right, well, least
0: best. I already did it for you. I mean, go check it out on orangefiz.net. You yeah. plug right there. but what a plug. I, yeah, I, incredible, incredible. I mean, number one, you got to go with DJ Kennedy, right? He's probably the TBT GOAT at this point. Uh, two-time MVP for overseas elite, four-time champion, plays like a guard or a forward. I mean, this guy can pretty much do it all. He's He's basically your prototypical versatile guy, in the basketball tournament, he's their all time leading scorer with 436 points and rebounder with 232 boards. And this is the guy. That's the bona fide guy. And and that's also the reason that I said, hey, um, this is the best roster that Beheim's Army has ever had, that Bellby ever put together. Because, yeah, I like the length, and I liked that the other guys that they brought in. I think Pascal Chuku was a very smart move, especially given what other teams are disadvantaged at, which is hype. But just like I said, at any given time, you're going to be the longest team. At any given time, you're going to have the best player on the court. It's almost like playing with LeBron. DJ Kennedy is basically like TBT LeBron.
1: (laughs) That's a weird comp, but but you're not wrong. He is the best player in TBT history, so I agree that he is number
0: one. All right, so rapid fire here, two through four. DeAndre Kane is his his thunder buddy for Overseas Elite. Three championships in the basketball tournament, so he comes over too. And then the other two guys, Kiefer Sykes, again, no disdain there, and he's going to play like a John Gillen for Bell being company. So I almost think that even though I would like to see Gillen there, it's a net zero when you add Keefer Sykes and then Tyrese Rice. Nothing against him, but – He's probably the least skilled player that did not go to Syracuse on Beheim's army. He's going to be your down and dirty glue guy, which is fine. You need you need some of those, and Devo kind of is one of those, but sometimes he kind of has to go into hero mode and scores mode, and when that happens, it's going to have to be Tyrese Rice diving for loose balls.
1: All right, I absolutely agree, Brad. When we come back from the break, it'll be time for five-star review. Brad and I will discuss higher prices, commitment, as well as a couple of potential SU basketball recruits. Keep it locked on the
0: Score 1260. Five-star review.
1: Five-star ride. I'd like to share with you one of our five-star reviews. Hey, five stars. Back here on Fizz Radio, Matt Bonaparte as well as Brad Klein with his five-star review time on Orange Fizz Radio. Brad, we've got Tire Price to talk about, a three-star defensive lineman that just committed to Syracuse in this already very defensively uh, focused draft. And, and the big story – or not draft, excuse me. I meant recruiting class. The big story within this commitment is that they kind of snap back at West Virginia who, who stole Jacoby's spells right from under them. It's good that Syracuse is winning in the terms of recruiting battle with a team like West Virginia, and it's good that Syracuse is winning in their own backyard as he comes right out of New Jersey. Yeah,
0: well, that's, that's the point. I mean, Syracuse right now and the program as a whole – is in a pretty dark place. So I think that can best it be encapsulated by you think it's a win when you get a three-star defensive lineman from New Jersey over West Virginia. And you think that's a win, and you think that's something worth celebrating, then that means that your program is in a very tough spot. Sure, absolutely. And I think that everybody knows that
1: Syracuse football isn't in the greatest spot. Um, but a guy like Kyer Price, you know, he's not going to save the program necessarily. But it, it's the it's the baby steps and the, and the little things that count right now for SU. Uh, and I think that this is uh this is okay to be celebrated. All right, let's move on to some basketball. JJ uh, Starling was a name that we heard a lot at the beginning of the off season. Uh, he's a, a a guard, a guard forward prospect at mayor High School. For the 2022 class he was a guy that I think was a huge uh target for for in a lot of fans eyes but nowadays really kind of isn't what are your thoughts on that and and how that's changed over time
0: well it's changed over time because of the guys that have that Syracuse has bolstered the class with right it was once upon a time J.J. Starling as the big fish in this class would have been a celebratory thing and and now he's almost a second fiddle. But you need to get J.J. Starling, and you absolutely have to, right? And, and it's not because you need the guy in terms of a player, but it's very similar to to the Price commitment in that you need to defend your home turf. J.J. Starling grew up within spitting distance of the dome, and if you lose him because of why? You don't need him? Then what does that do? That opens up a precedent for your recruiting ground to go elsewhere you need to land J.J. Starling
1: you need to land J.J. Starling is what you think
0: absolutely absolutely have to worst case scenario what happens transfers after one year because he's not getting the playing time go get him if he wants to come here and he wants to stay home then go get him and you're not going to turn him away I'm not saying that Syracuse is going to turn him away But you have to pursue him harder. And now there's almost less of a reason for you to lose him. Because before it was, hey, JJ, come to Syracuse. Be the messiah of the program that you grew up watching. Now it is, hey, JJ, the program that you grew up watching is now good. So come to Syracuse. It's another reason for him to come. And it's another reason for Syracuse to be able to land him. So if they don't, it's going to look especially bad.
1: I don't think that's necessarily true. I think that right now Syracuse basketball recruiting looks great. I mean, you've got one as of right now. You have one of the best recruiting classes for the twenty twenty two in the country. I think they're fourth or third right now. Um, you've got two really solid guys under your belt in in uh, Kamari Lands and Justin Taylor. I don't think that you necessarily have to go out and get a really another really solid player. You could go out and get a quadir Copeland, who's a three-star, and I think that would be fine. I don't necessarily think you have to get JJ Starling, um, and I don't think not getting him would be necessarily a terrible look because you're already building upon something that was criticized so heavily throughout last season, which was Syracuse's recruiting. There was a huge article from the Do in which um, they criticized Syracuse. A Syracuse offer wasn't uh, a good one, or as mu- carried as much weight as it used, uh, as it did before. Was the uh, point that they were getting at I don't think that necessarily is the truth anymore as you're getting as they're getting better and better within recruiting so I don't I, obviously it would help and I think that it would be a crazy
0: class to bring in but I don't necessarily think you need to go out and get them then prove it right if if you believe and you being you Matt Bonaparte and Syracuse if you believe that a Syracuse offer right now is a hot ticket item then JJ Starling should be coming right Because there's no one on planet Earth that has more of a reason right now to commit to Syracuse than JJ Starling. So if he doesn't. Why is that true? Because he is a hometown kid, because he is a good player that I would assume wants to play for a good team, and he has all of those options right here, right now at Syracuse. Was not the case when Syracuse started recruiting him, because they were not a good team that did not recruit well. And there was an offer on the table for J.J. Starling when that DO article came out that said, hey, a Syracuse offer doesn't mean anything. Now it means something. Prove it. And, if it. and if he doesn't come, that means it doesn't mean as much as you thought it did. And it invalidates the entire, oh, well, Syracuse recruiting is back thing. If, if Duke, put it this way, okay. Duke basketball, when they had the big three, Cam Reddish, R.J. Barrett, Zion Williamson, when they had the big three. If they had a J.J. Starling in their area, five miles away from Durham, they'd get him. They'd get him. Because a Duke offer, especially with that class and the way that program was going, Duke offer was an undeniable offer. So if you believe you're in that class, if you believe you're even close, then J.J. Starling should come. Sure, but I also think that
1: you think it's too night and day in terms of, Is it back? Is it not? I think that as of last year, Syracuse recruiting wasn't in the spot that Syracuse fans wanted it to be or the program wanted it to be. And now with the class coming in like this one in 2022, they're on the road back to getting to where they were maybe in the early 2010s, or the late 2000s, where they could kind of get anybody they wanted. Um, It doesn't mean that they're right back there. And an offer from Syracuse should be an instant yes they're just getting back to a point where they're recruiting giant and Syracuse can go out and get five stars just like anybody else so i don't think you can expect that they'll be right there like they were a few years ago you need to know that they're going to get back there soon and this is this is part of doing that and on that being on that road
0: so if you're on that road don't take a detour with not getting J.J. Starling, right? I mean, I'm sure is, they want to, is, but I
1: just don't necessarily meet, think it's like a
0: make or break. Is it a make or break, make or break? No, but it's a big commitment, and it's a bigger commitment than your typical four-star with an already good class. Because, again, Syracuse recruiting is an army of steamrollers, and especially with how dark of a, of a place recruiting has been in recently, you don't want to revert back at all. You don't want to hesitate at all. This is a program with a ticking clock and Jim Beheim retiring very soon. So you want to take advantage of a Hall of Famer when you have him, which is not going to be for very long. So if you can convince more and more guys that Syracuse is a legit program again, and Syracuse recruiting is legit again, then that's how you do it. And then J.J. Starling saying, eh, nah, I'm, I'm not going to play for the guy I have a poster of in my room that's not helping your costs
1: okay to advance this conversation a little i want to i want to pose you this syracuse has shown some interest in 2024 number one uh espn recruit Derek queen out of baltimore do you think that they have a chance at getting him do you think that their yeah. their trajectory current trajectory points that they can land this guy
0: yeah they can land him i the, the funny thing is, at, at this point, there's no reason to not offer him and to not be interested in him and to not go after him. So they went after him and, you know, they're putting out feelers. Are they going to get him? No, probably not. But could they? Yeah, I guess. I think Syracuse recruiting right now might be feeling itself a little bit to go out and try to get him. There's no harm in asking.
1: Yeah, I think that they definitely will go after him, but I don't know necessarily, well, you know, by that time where his recruit or his commitment comes around, I think that they may be at a point in which they are back and they are uh, a recruiting, uh, you know, giant and they can kind of do whatever they want and get whoever they want. So maybe it'll be there, maybe it won't, but I think that they definitely have a chance at doing it all right we'll be wrapping up shop when we come back fictional fizz and fizz feedback are waiting for you after the break you're listening to orange fizz radio on the sport wrapping up shop here on fizz radio matt Bonaparte and brad klein with you brad it's time for some good old fictional fizz your second ever time playing fictional fizz here we go the first one for you and if you don't know what the game is by the way i give brad a fictional betting line it's usually an over under and then he tells me the over or the under of the fictional betting line uh so first one football wins su football wins how many will they have over under three and a half
0: oh Did you go to Vegas? Did you look at the actual number? Because this is the Vegas number. Off the dome, off the dome, Brad. Okay, okay, okay. So they had one win last year. The good news for the over is that they have a lot more non-cons than are winnable. So like Ohio and Albany, I'm I'm already seeing two wins there. So they need two more wins. They're gonna they're gonna get two more wins. They have to. Yeah, yeah. Give me three and a half. They're going to win four games. Give me the over. I mean, at, at, at that point, because I can see two wins, they just need to find two more. And it's it seems tough for a one-win team, but I think about all the mediocre ACC teams. You catch an, uh, a mediocre ACC team off guard one week, that's a win. That's a win. Boston Brad, College, you mean to tell me they can't win against Boston College at home? They lost by three last year.
1: I think that they win – three games so i'm going to take the under okay i've seen i just seen too much blatant terrible play from this team to give them any kind of hope they have to give me something before i give them anything so i cannot stand to give them any kind of benefit of the doubt here i'm gonna take the under and, and i think they'll win three games all right number thing two is, how okay, often
0: do you see i'm sorry but how often do you thanks. bet on a one-win team from last year and see half the wins that you already need for the next season. That's why I'm taking the over. Because if, if I don't take the over now, I never will on a, on a one-win
1: team. I, I
0: would not be shocked
1: if Ohio
0: like, nearly beat them. Fair, but I'd be shocked if they beat them. Hey, Syracuse already beat them once, 29 nothing in 2014.
1: That's true. Absolutely true.
0: Johnny, EA um, Sports,
1: check it out. All right. Number two, Taj Harris reception yards on the season. Full season. How many receiving yards will he get, barring any injuries? Over, under 950. Nine. That's a lot of yards. Nine. It's 733
0: right. last year. <sighs> under. Yeah. Give me the under for a couple of reasons. One, the offensive line didn't get much better if better at all I mean, they got Chris lights so they got a little bit better but not not enough for me to really consider the over and that's a big leap and the biggest concern i have with taj harris and i wrote an article about this on orangefits.net go I check it out the inconsistency the inconsistency is concerning to me I mean, he was asked last year hey who throws the best ball and he gave the PR answer, oh, they all throw good balls, but they're all different, right? And the fact that they're all different, even if they're all good, the fact that they're all different matters, right? And the different quarterbacks, if we both agree it's not going to be the same guy throughout the year, Taj Harris is going to have to adjust to that. So yeah, I'm taking the under. And the strength of this offense, unequivocally the run game. I mean, Sean Tucker stole the show last year, and now you're adding two guys who thought they could play at the next level. They can't, but they're still definitely contributors in the ACC. Jarvion Howard and Abdul Adams.
1: I think I'm going to take the over here. I think there's no reason he shouldn't be up there.
0: Hey, until he's, he's, he gives me a reason to hit the over, I'm not going to touch <laughs> he hit the over. Seven
1: hundred thirty-three yards in a shortened season. I think that's that's some reason. Um, I think that uh, he, you know, I think he's got he's got the chops for it. I think there's no reason. Taj Harris shouldn't have around 1,000 yards next year. Uh, and he's, he's, of course, still the only guy that is incredibly uh, reliable in that receiving core. So you really only have, uh, what, Anthony Queeley, Courtney yeah. Jackson. There's really nobody well, else that's there. That's the
0: thing. That's the other thing is I'm anticipating Anthony Queeley to have a big year, a big step Well, that's out. a poor was... anticipation to have. Well, okay. That's then. poor judgment from you. If I'm going to do you a favor and help you out here, Nikeem Johnson is gone. That's a big deal. And so that's a lot of yards that are going to have to go somewhere and will likely go to Taj Harris. And you're right, short in season, I get it. The other thing is we both agree that Syracuse is going to be a pretty poor team. That means they're going to be playing from behind, and that means that they're going to be throwing the football. So Taj Harris there could get some yards that way. You know, fantasy football, garbage time, New Orleans Saints yards. So given that, that's, uh, that's something for him.
1: Yeah, the garbage time roll in St. Yards. I think you're really going to come in handy. Um, all right. The third and final line, facing line, is the Syracuse basketball 2022 recruiting rank among teams. They're currently seventh. Will they finish higher or lower than twentieth?
0: All right. Probably higher. Probably. Just because. It's already really good, and they're not going to lose anyone, knock on wood. So I'm, I almost feel like even if they don't get anyone else, they're not going to drop 13 more spots, tentatively saying that. I mean, they could. If they get nobody else, they definitely could drop that far. There are still a lot of really good recruits to be had, but they're not really in the running for them. A lot of them, right? That's the thing. You're going to get like maybe flip, right? Maybe, and if they get flipped, then it's over. But I don't know if they necessarily will. So the other guys like Zion Cruz that they're not going to land. He already um,
1: committed to UNC.
0: Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So I feel like you either basically you have to either get JJ Starling or flip, and I feel like they'll get one of them at the very least. So I'm going to say better than 20.
1: I think it also comes down to Quadir Copeland, and if you land him, I think you'll steer clear and and get above twenty. So I'm also going to say the over because I think they get at least one more guy, and I think at least one more guy puts them above twenty. So we finally agree on one, Brad. I'm glad. I'm glad that we could finally agree at the end there. All right, let's head over to Twitter where we had our fizz feedback. If you want to participate in our polls, just head over there on Monday. That's usually when we throw them out there. The first poll, Brad. ACC Media Day is steadily, steadily approaching. Syracuse announced its athletes attending. None of Tommy DeVito. Will he begin the, the season as the starting quarterback? 52% of people said yes. This was a close poll. I think it's the closest I've ever seen on a Fizz feedback. 51.8, if you want to be technical, said yes. 482 saying no. So the people are pretty split on this one.
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm going to say that the slight majority is right here. Because, like we mentioned before, default. I I don't see a world where the other quarterbacks have enough snaps and enough meaningful snaps in training camp to completely change the minds of the head coaches. I don't know. Tommy DeVito is the safest bet, and at this point, I see them going with a safe bet.
1: That's fair. I think so as well. All right, number two, the Athletic released a list of the top 15 coaches in college basketball. Jim Beheim was listed at 15. Where should he be ranked? Uh, The options were 1 through 5, 6 through 10, or 11 through 15. What say you, Mr. Klein?
0: Yeah, I think it's pretty close. I'd be surprised if he was not top 10, and you told me that Bob Huggins was rated just above Beheim, which is – So is Matt Painter. That's crazy. Yeah, no, he's top 10. He has to be top 10, and it's hard – because a lot of people give him a lot of you-know-what for only winning one national title. But if it's, if it's a current list, especially if it's a current list, then you have to look at that Sweet 16 run and, and think about how and why Syracuse made the Sweet 16. And sure, Buddy Beheim shot really well, and that helps. But how can you possibly put him in front of a guy like Bob Huggins, who had more talent and lost?
1: Yeah, he's absolutely yeah, top 10. It's just, it's, I think you have to, I mean, that's kind of ridiculous to say he's not. And you mentioned the sweet 16 runs. How about the final four run as well? You say, Uh, and you're right. Uh, And the the people agree 44.6% say six through 10. And I think that's just right for Bayham. All right. Our last one is we got to wrap up quickly. Syracuse recently showed interest in both the number one recruits for the 2023 and 2024 classes. Do they get either of them?
0: No. The reason they won't is not because of anything we know right now, but I anticipate this team not being as good as they probably should be given the recruits they're going to get. So if you want to recruit for 23 and 24, you're going to need to play well on the court and they won't.
1: I agree. And the people do too. 60% say no way. That does it for me and Brad. If you want more coverage, go to Twitter at OrangeFiz or our website. We'll see you next time.